it's about time. This is a concept that I've had on my mind for, for some time. And we talked about it and, and even planned on really kicking off the year. And then we kind of went a different direction. And, and, uh, and then as I started looking into this, and even though I, I've, I've kind of preached on time in the past a couple of years ago, and I started to get worried. I'm like, did I bite off more than I can chew? I got real nervous because uh, there's not a lot of instruction about time in the Bible. There's not a lot of scripture and verses that help us understand this concept of time. And uh, so often we, we, we learn from experiences. You know, so we kicked off the new year. We had our January 2nd Sunday was, was in the Brown Building across the parking lot. Some of you may be new with us. You're like, you don't even understand what we went through this year. And we moved from that building across the parking lot in this building. And as soon as service was over, uh, we started like loading up and packing and moving and hauling stuff. And, and I had my SUV. And so I'm like throwing stuff in the back and I'm driving from one building to the next and back and forth and back and forth. And we didn't have a truck and, and uh, our trailer or anything like that. And so we're making the best with what we got. And, uh, and, you know, it's just across the parking lot. I don't feel like putting my seatbelt on. This is, where, this is where I miss my 1992 Honda Civic that, like, it doesn't even warn me about my seatbelt, right? It's, like, before, like, it barely has a seatbelt. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, like, I just get a little red light on the dash. It's like, your seatbelt's not on. I'm like, gotcha. I'm good, right? Just not even worry about it. I had a car one time. This is a total rabbit trail, but I had a car one time. It was going so far back that it actually had automatic seatbelt. You close the door and, and like the seatbelt just came back. Oh man, I loved it. Never wore the lap belt. Didn't have to worry about it. Just had the shoulder belt. Cop saw me. Hey, I'm good. You, you see the seatbelt, right? I know I've been telling too many, like getting in trouble with cops or Mr. Brian out there is talking to me after service. Anyway, not even the worst of my stories. So anyway, so uh, so I'm back and forth, and, and you know, so I don't feel like putting my seatbelt on. It's just the parking lot, but but the car nowadays, of course, it, it gives me the first warning. Hey, your seatbelt's not on. I ignore it. I'm trying to get to the next place. I'm like, if I can just get into park fast enough, it won't even be an issue. I won't even worry about it, and I'll just get there. But then, of course, before I get to park, it is going nuts. My vehicle is angry, and it is letting me know. Like, it was a two-year-old toddler throwing a fit on the floor. It is yelling and screaming and kicking its feet, and I, I'm driving just nuts. And, like, I'm thinking, okay, I just need to go a little faster. I just get across the parking lot faster. I can beat the timing. I can beat the beeping. I'll just get across the parking lot. I'll go faster. I'll just know that my wife was not with me during this time. And so I'm like, now I'm like hauling. I'm gassing it through the parking lot trying to get across. And every time, it didn't matter. Every time, right before I'm going in the park, vehicle screaming at me. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Finally, my wife's in the vehicle. So, of course, I got to calm down. I got to behave, right? You know, and so, and because, uh, you know, I'm not going to do that with her in the vehicle. It's amazing how we'll behave when someone's there to, to, to observe our behavior. And, and I go a little slower, and all of a sudden I found that, like, it gave me just a warning, but it then it didn't beep at me again. I was like, what? I finally realized after several times and some wisdom from my wife and maybe some Holy Spirit, and that I ended up realizing that all my previous experience of what I had understood about this vehicle was not true in this situation. And I kept thinking that I needed to speed up, that I needed to be faster. And what actually needed to happen was I needed to go slower. That as long as I stayed below a certain speed, the vehicle was not going to bother me. It was not going to scream at me, and it was just going to stay calm. If I stayed calm, it stayed calm. There's a, there's a correlation between me and the vehicle that I didn't understand at the time. And I thought, how true is that for us with time, though? 
We have all these ideas and concepts, but everything we think and know about time is based on our culture, our upbringing, maybe even our personality. Uh, I made a joke in the weekly emails, like, was Jesus ever late? You know, because Jesus was perfect. Was he late? But what is late, right? Like, what is late in the midst of time? What is even time in the midst of this? One scripture we do get before I jump into what is time is 2 Peter 3.8. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. If this is what it's like for God, what is, the, what is time for us? And I ask you, what is time? You're like, oh, well, a time is a day. Well, how much is a day? Well, it's 24 hours. Well, you know, what's 24 hours? Oh, well, that's a rotation of the earth. Okay, but well, you have months. Well, what, what is a month? Well, that's a relation, a correlation between the earth and the moon. Well, what about a year? Well, that's the, the, the revolution of the orbit around the sun. And like, like we have all these measurements of time, which, by the way, realize that everything that we have to measure time is not based I'm being a little sciencey right now. It's not based on just this earth. There's no measurement of time based on our relationship, based on my life. That like everything that we measure is even outside. It's the planetary, uh, the the universe that we kind of we, we expand beyond what we even know to be true, in the sense of like what's tangible, what's factual to what we can observe of our natural self, is how we measure time. That's just such a crazy concept. At some point, is that how it's always been? Is measuring time in this way? This, this concept of time is based on objects floating in space. Everything that you measure everything by is in space. It's not even within our, our lives. What would be our sense of time without this knowledge, without this concept? What would time be? So even how we define time, how we measure time, how, what, what do we say about time? It's not even contained within itself. It's a created concept. Now, it doesn't mean service didn't start on time or have a particular moment or it's not going to last a particular amount of time. We still have all these things. The other thing I love about time that, that's, that's a real pickle is time is not even constant or consistent. Time is this thing that if you, if, if you took a watch to the mountaintop, the highest mountain, and then you had someone else with a watch, in a valley, the watch on the mountaintop is going to go faster than the watch in the valley because time is affected by gravity. If you fly someone across the world to, to England and their time is going to move faster, not just because they're flying, but because the watch at a higher altitude is going to move faster than my watch here at normal level. Time is affected in this kind of way it's a, it's a strange concept. You know, technically speaking then, very tiny measurement, technically speaking, your head experiences time faster than your feet. Some of you are like, hmm, but the way my brain goes, that might actually be true. Like, I think a lot faster than I actually move, right? <laughs> You're like, I don't know, that might actually be true. Think about this to correlate this, this scientific fact with like a spiritual thought. So the closer we are to the core of something, the heavier, the more gravity affects it. How much do you realize how slow time is when you are carrying a heavy burden? When you are carrying 
the weight of the world and the worry and the anxiety, time seems to move so slow. The heavier the gravity of your mind, the slower time goes. But then we have those moments of parties or uh, excitement and, and things are going well and and whatever that might be, at times of celebration, and it seems like time flies because there's no burden or weight that we're carrying, and we're light, and all of a sudden we experience time faster. It's like, wow, like where did the time go? I was having so much fun. We never say, I was worrying so much that time just flew. We never say that, right? Like, it's always the other way around. What is time? This, this concept that we wrestle with, I've been having a lot of fun wrestling with time, by the way. If I've gotten too nerdy or too out there, I know that I dialed it back. Uh, like, I want to go so much further. And we have so many more weeks that uh, we'll be on time in different ways. And, um, and I like this, this commentary that I had on 2 Peter 3.8, going back to that text. My commentary says, Though in the account of men there is a vast difference between one day and a thousand years, yet the account of God, there is no difference. You know, when we read that scripture, I don't know about you, but like so many times when I've read that scripture, I think about like one day is like a thousand years for God. And we take this moment and we can say, okay, we can stretch this moment and we can see how it stretches for God. But for too long, I've ignored the second part of that. But a thousand days is like one year. So in the same way, we can take this moment and stretch it out for God. And it's the same way he can take an infinite moment and be like one. He can take one moment and see it as an infinite. We can take the numbers bigger. I think Peter here is just being modest and not trying to overwhelm the reader here by saying a thousand, by giving it a defined number. Take one moment and stretch it out. And it continues on and says, All things past, present, and future are ever before him. The delay of a thousand years cannot be so much to him as putting off anything for a day for an hour is to us. That God can see this eternity of time, this, this grandiose concept of time, and he can see it all in one moment. But not us. I was uh, hearing a story about this idea of uh, the Sistine Chapel, this amazing, beautiful work of art. And we can look at pictures, and uh, I was, again, of course, thinking about this and looking at the pictures online and, and seeing this amazing art. But imagine a fly landing on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel and landing on a gray spot, and all the fly thinks is that the entire thing is gray. He can't see what he's actually on. And I feel like so often that's us with time, that we are just in one moment, one aspect, and it's so hard for sometimes for us to get outside of that moment to see the beauty of what's really happening in our lives because all we can see is gray. And it's a tough that's a tough challenge. When God sees the whole of time. And what I love about this is this means I think that moments are not an issue. We encounter moments that seem to be issues for us. But what are they to God? When God can see the whole of the timeline, the whole of your life, the whole of what's happening, what is it for God in this situation? And I like in Psalm 139, 16, to give us more of a concept of God. It says, you saw me before I was born. The moment that I can understand, you saw me even before that moment. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out. 
before a single day had passed. But I don't know about you, I got plenty of moments in my life, unfortunately too many of those heavy burden, heavy loaded moments that I relive in my life, those moments that I think are a problem, those moments that I think prevent the future, those moments like I had even mentioned that are frozen in the past, but yet I still relive them. I was sharing a story even this morning with Miss Goodness about like one of the most embarrassing times I had preaching where I made a mistake, one of my like first like probably third time preaching in big church, you know, and uh, in San Angelo campus and you know, hundreds of people and I'm preaching and, and like totally just jacked up. Now I like jack up like somewhere like in the middle of the sermon where you're not going to remember anything I said. But no, like I jacked up like right at the beginning. Like just totally made a fool of myself. First service, nailed it. Second service, nope, missed it. And I got to keep going. I got to keep preaching. These moments that we experience, and what are these moments to us, and as I wrestled with, with this text, I thought about Peter, the moments. In Matthew chapter 26, and we start in verse 31, I'm going to skip it a little bit. We had this part where Jesus, they've just had the, the last supper. Jesus has just broken bread with the disciples and had this amazing moments we're not far from Jesus going to the cross and going to be arrested and whipped and beaten and, and go through all this process. And Jesus sits down with his disciples and he says, on the way, Jesus told them, excuse me, he was moving, tonight, tonight, all of you will desert me. All of you. Tonight, this very night, all of you who claim to be with me, who just broke bread with me, who say you're with me. This very night, you're all going to desert me. And in verse 33, we got wonderful Peter. That wonderful example that we have, what would we do without Peter? Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Jesus, you even understood and knew what was going to take place with Peter. You know, sometimes I wonder, we look at the life of Jesus, this, this, this one life in the midst of eternity, this one life in the midst of everything that we have recorded up until this moment, that God chose one moment, not an eternal life to walk the earth, but a human life, a finite life, to be born and live. And we only get three years of ministry out of Jesus. Such a short life. And, and Jesus, you, you even have this moment of knowing that Peter is going to, going to reject you. Isn't there time, Jesus? Isn't there enough time to just to stop Peter? To change his mind. Can't you convince him? I've wrestled with this for so too long of this idea of like, Jesus, isn't there some sort of argument that you could have given him? Isn't there some sort of convincing that you could have done for Peter? Peter is walking with God in the flesh. What would it have taken for Peter to not do the very thing? 
Of course, I see my life, and I, I know my upbringing. I know my teaching. I know my thoughts. I know everything that I brought up with, and yet I still found my own way of rebelling, testing the world, taste testing the world, doing all those things. I wonder, like, is there any amount of argument that would have changed what I was doing? Is there any amount of arguments that would have actually stopped me from doing the things that I was doing, from the party days and the rebellious days and the doing different things? And what I actually find here is time is grace. Jesus in this moment doesn't try to stop Peter. There's an acknowledgement of, of who Peter is and what's going to happen. And Jesus just lets him know. Say, like, hey, Peter, here's, here's the situation. Here's what's going on, and we're just going to keep walking. I'm just going to keep loving you. I'm still going to be here for you. I'm just going to, but we're, we're just going to keep moving forward. I know you're going to make mistakes, and we're going to keep moving forward. I know you're going to mess up, but that's okay because you've got a future. Yeah, I, I know you're going to trip and fall, Peter, but I know. And I take such confidence in this knowing that Jesus, in the midst of all my mess-ups, in the midst of all my mistakes, the things that happen in a moment of time that I tend to relive over and over. And yet Jesus, who knew about Peter's even before they happened and even warned him and called them out, and yet Jesus doesn't allow these to change the time. He doesn't allow these to change what's happening and what's taking place and continues to move forward. Maybe there's someone in your life that you're, you're, you're fretting over in this situation where they're making choices and decisions and you hate it. And I'm not going to tell you not to hate it, but don't let one moment of time taint the rest of the life. As a parent, <laughs> some of you parents, I look at my own mistakes and I'm like, somehow I made it through. I still got faith for my daughters. They're going to make it through, right? And I'm not telling on either one of them or anything like that. But, like, but sometimes I'm like, man, why are you making that decision? Why are you doing that thing? I'm like, but you know what? It's just a moment of time. It's just a moment, and, and as, I, as I've kind of looked at this concept of time, what is this moment? And I know we have all these cultural upbringings and, and things that are dictated, and I know some of them are like ones we can't avoid, right? The electricity's bill due, is due when it's due, and you can't change nothing about it, and you can't change the time, and unfortunately, those structures are just set in time. You're supposed to graduate high school by a certain age, and sometimes you can fudge that one way or the other, but there's still like this kind of cultural norm that you're expected to accomplish this particular thing by this particular time or this particular age. And we have these trappings of society and culture, and they're not all bad. There's some good ones out there, I'm sure. But we tend to take these things that we experience in the world, everything we know about time, which is probably given to us by the world, and then we apply it to God, or we apply it to our faith. We apply it to Christianity, and we tend to think, you know what? I should have been this place in my faith by this time, and I'm not there, so you know what? I'm just done. I'm just not even going to try anymore. I'm not even going to try to memorize that scripture. I'm not even going to try to change my attitude of prayer because it's too late. It's too far gone. There's no coming back from the situation, and I just give up. There's, there's nothing else. Too many people have, have not walked through the doors of the church because they feel like it's just too late. What's the point? Time is done and what's happened has happened. And these moments that are actually frozen in history continue to be this, this river of mistakes. 
I had this video pop up. Sometimes I like think, ah, oh, you know, it's just Google listening to my conversation. It knows I'm like th- preaching about time, so it's going to show me this video. And, you know, maybe it's Google. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. I'll leave it up to you. And this video of Tom Hanks popped up on a story and said, um, this too shall pass was the title of it. And Tom Hanks says, I wish I had known this too shall pass. You feel bad right now? You feel angry right now? This too shall pass. You feel great. You feel like you know all the answers, like everyone finally gets you. This too shall pass. Time is your ally. And if nothing else, just wait. Just wait it out. Just wait. This is what we see with Peter, maybe not in the best way possible, but they have these promises of Jesus. He's going to come back. Even in this moment, some of the texts that we were looking at, Jesus is like, hey, I'm going away, but it's not forever. Like, I'm going to be back. I'm going to show myself to you again. And Peter freaks out. He's like, I don't even hear none of that. Jesus is apparently like the parent of a teenager, clearly a bunch of the disciples, a bunch of teenagers. They didn't hear what the, well, you sold them, right? They only heard what they wanted to hear. And uh, they only heard the bad news. They didn't hear the good news. Sorry if I'm picking on any teenagers in here. Um, just remember my own, my own years, my own life. And so if that didn't apply to you, well, God bless you. You're doing better than me. And, uh, and, and yet Peter, he finds himself going back to going fishing the same way how many times we go back to the very thing that we had left behind, we go back to the addiction, we go back to the thing that we think will soothe and comfort us, and Peter does the same kind of thing. For him, it was just fishing, and he goes back to fishing, and, and all of a sudden we see Jesus, I won't read the text, you can look at it in John chapter 21, the last chapter of John, and, uh, and there at the end, and, and uh, we have Jesus showing back up on the shore. And they realize, and there's this whole commotion, and Peter being, again, the one to react, the reactionary Peter, and he, and he jumps in the water, and they all come ashore, and Jesus is cooking breakfast. And, and we see this moments of Jesus sitting with the disciples on the, the shore, and, and Peter being there, and Jesus doing the thing that we've heard in church so many times, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Oh, Peter, do you love me? And three times Jesus challenges Peter. But the thing I wrestle with is, Jesus, but wait a second. Peter wasted all this time. All this time that he could have been worshiping you, praising you, praying. All this time that Peter could have been acting in faith. How how, how does Peter make up this time? How does Peter make up for this lost time? Can you lose time? Is it ever even actually lost? But, but shouldn't there be a price to pay for the time that we waste? Shouldn't there be a, an amount of time that I've got to be in like a purgatory situation for all my years of partying and drinking and, 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 and whatever it was that I was doing? And, and shouldn't there be a time consequence? Shouldn't there be a replication of, of, like, of, of balancing this? And Jesus just comes to Peter, and there's, there's no acknowledgement of Peter denying him, like running away in the sense of this time. And Peter, or Jesus is just reinstating Peter in this situation. But how often do we feel like we need to take the time and pay a consequence based on time? 
which notice how often that our consequences are based on time. Parents, can I get an amen? You're like, yeah, I grounded that kid. You're like, yeah, that, that time in the corner with their nose in the corner. You're like, our consequence. Notice that our, our, our default consequence is time. It's an interesting concept. We move beyond parenting and look at the prison system, and it's always about time. It's a certain amount of time paid. Oh, you don't have the money for that ticket. You can even just serve it out in time. We, we look at consequences of time. And Jesus is here with Peter. And there's no time to be paid in this situation. There's no trade-off. There's no exchange. Jesus, what are you thinking? Shouldn't there, shouldn't there have to be like some... I, Peter has to give you something, right? For him to get this. And, and surely there's the, the time that was wasted has got to be traded. And that's not the case. Bob Goff said, we spend a lot of time remembering failures. God spent a lot of love saying we could forget. I believe there's someone here today that is specifically that you've been punishing yourself with time. That you've been thinking that there's got to be this, this consequence, this trade-off of time. And it's not even that it's something that somebody else has put on you. It's something that you're carrying yourself. It's your own burden of time that you're carrying yourself. And what we see with Jesus is not a trade-off. He's not trying to have an exchange with you. To say, yes, I understand all of those years of addiction, all those years of, of of just giving to the world and not to me. All these years of these moments of time that you have let pass by. And Jesus says, I'm not interested in what's behind you. I'm interested in what's in front of you. And the very thing that I have wiped clean and let go of is the very same thing that you need to let go of yourself. There is no me holding this against you. You've messed up for years it doesn't, doesn't matter. Repentance doesn't work that way. It doesn't, it's not a payment that you can pay for your own self because time is grace. As we get ready to close, back in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, and we're in the message now because I like it. And Eugene Peterson did such a wonderful job and in 2 Peter, we'll reread the same verse of verse 8 in 2 Peter chapter 3. He says, don't overlook the obvious here, friends. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. God isn't late with his promise as some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you. Say me. On account of me, God is restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. So my dear friends, since this is what you have to look forward to, do your very best to be found living at your best in purity and peace. Interpret our master's patient restraint for what it is, salvation. 
God has all the time of eternity to wait for you to give your life to him. But you, we, us, do not have all the time in the world to wait to give our life to him. Time is grace. It is something unearned. It is something we cannot do anything about. It is not something we can get more of, of our own efforts, of our own power, of our own ability. It does not matter how smart you are, how rich you are, how talented you are. Time is grace. From the moment you were born, you were created, you were named, even before those moments, you were given time. You were given time before you thought you had earned it or were worthy of it. And the same is true now. Time is grace. Time is something that we all have. And God, the eternal being, which simply means to be outside of time, to be outside of this thing that we measure with planets and moons, and the creator himself who stands outside this moment and sees your entire life, who sees the good moments and the bad moments, the successful moments and the failure moments, who sees the, the struggles, he sees the crooked paths from the straight paths, he knows what you've been doing, he knows your desires of your hearts. Just like the scripture talks about the rain comes for the unjust as well as the just, and so does time. Because he loves us, he gives us time. And although he has all of eternity to wait for us, we don't have all of eternity to wait for him. What is it God's looking to do in your life? What is the grace of God that you're needing to experience in your life today? What is it God speaking to you? How is it that you've been punishing yourself with time? I just need to sit back. I just need to serve out my time before I'm good enough. I just need to serve out my time before I, I, I'm loved enough. But you don't know my past. You don't know my failures. You don't know my issues. I just need to serve out this time that I've placed on myself. Stop it. Stop it today. Time is not even yours. It's not even your ownership to be able to even control it in that kind of way. What you're doing is just in, it's just in, your, own, it's in your own mind. It's in your own heart. You can't control it. You can't hold it. And those aren't your choices or decisions to make. They're God's. God wants to just look to the future. Look to moving forward. Yeah, I know you denied me. I know you wasted me. But I got this for you. I got this plan for you. Time is grace. Will you bow your heads? Close your eyes if you would and just take a moment. God, we give this moment, this right now, not our past, not our future, this moment 
We give it to you. We focus on you. We give you our attention. Say, God, meet us here in this very moment. Meet us here, the right here, the right now. There is no other time but right now. We say, God, speak to us. Lead us. Guide us. Show us your love. May we know of your goodness. In the same way you come to Peter on the shore, that you came to Peter. Peter didn't come to you. Not first. You came to Peter. Even our crying out to you is empowered to us by the Holy Spirit. We say, God, we need you. We love you. Help me in this situation. This concept of time that we've been bound by is you paid the price. You paid the penalty. At just the right time, Galatians says, at just the right time, God, you sent your son. And God, we don't even understand this moment of eternity, that one moment of Jesus dying on the cross would echo for eternity and provide for us even today over 2,000 years later. And yet that one moment still means everything to us. Because a thousand years is like one day. I'm going to lead you just in a quick prayer before we go into our final song, a final song of worship to really just press into God more. And this is just a prayer for all of us. Just give our attention, our focus to God. But if this is the first time that you're praying a prayer like this, this may be a salvation prayer. This may be a rededication prayer where you, you felt like Peter, where you've been far from God. You've gone back to your old ways and you found yourself in here today. And you found yourself in a position of needing to hear Jesus talk to you the same way he talked to Peter, reinstating you, making sure that you know that you are loved. Maybe this is a prayer of healing. Maybe it's a prayer of freedom not being bound and feeling like you're chained to this concept of time. So if everybody would just repeat after me and just say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus Christ sending your Son just for me. Thank you for his sacrifice and forgiveness in my life. Fill me with your love. May I know your freedom and how you call me forward to a wonderful plan and a great life served for you, for your glory, making an impact in my world. Help me see time the way you do and not be bound by it, but find freedom in it. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand right now and get ready to worship one more time as we press into what God's doing here this morning. A time to continue to hear Him guiding us, leading us, showing us who He is. And we'll have dismissal at the end.